Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Well, for those who don't know, every Monday morning in the 7 o'clock hour, we get together and we have what we call Curtin Cade's Bible Q&A. And yes. your questions take us on an interesting journey through the Bible. And leading that journey, unless he's taking a Monday off, is Dr. Jim Coakley from Moody Bible Institute. And he has great answers. He loves the different questions, and he pulls different facets of of the question in the Bible together to make it all make sense. Here's a bit of that conversation for you in podcast form. Dr. Jim Coakley from Moody Bible Institute is back. We already have some questions that have been texted. Yes, we do. And here's one. Uh, What are your thoughts on the movie Scrooge? I'm not sure it's okay to show it to children because of the word ghost. Is it a redemptive story? A Christmas carol. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I watched the one, uh, the classic one, because I think uh, you uh, talked about this, Kurt, last year, uh, the one that you like, the old uh, standard one with George Scott. George uh, C. Scott is my favorite. Mm-hmm. It came out in 1984. Of all of the Christmas carols, you're going to get me started, Jim. Of all of the, the Christmas <laughs> carols, that's it's my not favorite. The best <clears throat> Which one do you like? You like the one from 1933 or and something? The Muppets. <laughs> oh, the Muppet one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm surprised and, and, that um, I don't like that one as much. Uh, John Luke Picard did one. I mean, there's a lot of Michael Caine was like Scrooge in the Muppets. Michael Caine. Yes, yeah. he was great. I'm actually, surprised since know? I love puppets that I'm not as into the Muppet. Christmas carols, I should be. <laughs> no, but there are many great versions, but some of them are a little. Uh, yeah, I, and it's understandable, right? This, yeah. What is the theology of a Christmas carol, even though we hook our wagons to it as Christians a lot of times, because there are some good things? Uh, and I think Charles Dickens actually wrote a book called The Life of Christ at one point. I think he did. I, yeah, the theology of this, how do we handle it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think we have this question a lot with uh, all sorts of fiction books, you know, when there's, uh, you know, uh, made up stories, but then also when there's elements in there that in some certain contexts would be inappropriate or or not very helpful. Uh, But in other contexts, uh, they can uh, be a vehicle to get people to think about you know, their their past life. I mean, we think about uh, Scrooge. I mean, even those names are so appropriate for certain character types. Uh, and, you know, I think if it does uh, kind of get people to think about character development and character flaws that they need to address. Now, of course, uh, to me, the biggest issue is that oftentimes uh, people do these kind of transformations in the power of the flesh, which we know is not uh, really the, the most powerful uh, transforming power agent that we we have uh, when we have the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the Lord within our lives uh, to help us to to live these kind of pleasing lives. Uh, But I think uh, even though there are these elements like ghosts and things, uh, not necessarily, you know, as long as you don't have a a situation where somebody is really sensitive or fearful of those things, or, you know, again, I think uh, being careful of people's backgrounds, because sometimes people do have uh, occult-like experiences that are triggering. And so I think just like everything else, I think we have to be very careful. I know for me, I was very big in the Lord of the Rings when I was, uh, before I became to uh, the Lord. And I had to kind of put it aside for a little while. Now I thoroughly enjoy it again, but it was so consuming. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes anything that can be, you know, over overly done can sometimes be uh, not helpful as well. So uh, I think we have to, you know, 
I like the spirit of the question is we always have to test these things to see whether or not uh, they are really helpful. Um, and sometimes uh, these fictional stories, they may have elements that we may not be happy with, but sometimes the story, uh, the, the character development, character plot uh, can be helpful for us to at least be a conversation starter around the holiday season. Yeah. It, you hmm. know, the, and I was reading uh, this weekend about, uh, I've got in my book list now, Fantasies by George MacDonald how uh, C.S. Lewis picked it up, and it's about fairies falling in love, kind of, and they walk, you know, a whole big thing. But it's uh, George MacDonald, and C.S. Lewis picked it up, and that kind of inspired him to do The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and, and that whole uh, thing. Oh, so it's like, yeah. what, what, but you always hear these concerns about any kind of fantasy. Yeah, and, and for instance, some people remember years ago the debate was, okay, the Chronicles of Narnia, because they're allegory and coming yes, from a Christian perspective, right. that's very different than Harry Potter. Okay, but how do you differentiate that? I yeah. mean, for the, you know what I mean? These are One's witchcraft, is... but what about the White Witch and uh, the uh -huh. line the Witch in the Wardrobe? Jim, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we have, once again, we have to use the discernment kind of uh, button in our minds. Uh, the idea, though, is that we do know that sometimes uh, fables, like I'm thinking of Je Judges chapter 9, trees are given a thing. So sometimes there's fantastic or, you know, almost fantasy-like things. Uh, but when you start getting into occult-like practices and spells and curses, uh, that's uh, where you probably are starting to uh, cross over a line that you want to be very careful with. Hmm. Yeah. What more can be said about this? Ah! Humbug. <laughs> well, he always gets the last word, doesn't he? Scrooge. Perfect. A poor excuse to pick a man's pocket every 25th of December. Uh. Okay, how many lines can we come up with, Jim, from uh, Christmas Carol? Let's see, what's another one? Uh, uh Remember Mr. Cratchit? Yeah, Bob Cratchit there. And he's so, oh yeah, Christmas or, you know, Decrease whatever. Decrease the population. Decrease the surplus population. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, then one of the yeah. ghosts says something about, uh, he said, well, why should I do that? For your salvation then. Yeah. You That's know, good. It's, yeah, there's so, uh, I don't know. How about Jacob Marley? I tend to These see. are the chains I forged yes, in during life. my life. Link by link. Let's do like Curtin yeah. K. Morton's Playhouse and let's yes, do a Christmas carol. Fun. Oh, Jim, uh, <laughs> could we cast you in one of the roles? Tiny Tim, maybe? Oh, sure. Yeah, God Tiny Tim. God bless everyone. Yeah, there God we go. Bless God bless every single one of us. Everyone. <laughs> Yeah, we could send him a script. Good. Who wants to write the script? Producer Mark, you're the script writer of the show. You want to write the uh, script for Curtin Gate Mornings of Christmas Carol? <laughs> that would be very interesting, I bet. Humbug. <laughs> nah. That's what you think. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtin Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. Let's go to Cynthia and Lehigh Acres. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? Hello, good morning. Good Got morning. There. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you. So uh, my question was in regards to Revelation where he says, I believe it's the white uh, throne, the judgment. And there were uh, is, there is a verse that says that there were there is going to be like young and old, or is it young and great? Does that young refer to children by any chance? Yes, yeah, Cynthia, that's... Uh, uh, 
I'm not sure exactly uh, the, the verse. Maybe I can uh, bring that up here. Uh, but the, the the notion is, of course, that all are going to be, you know, appear before the great white throne judgment. And so young and old, I think, is really what we call a mirasm. It just means everyone. Uh, and so uh, it can, of course, refer to people who are, uh, you know, young in age. Uh, but when we think about the afterlife, uh, we're all going to be, in a sense, uh, you know, that's one of the, the mysterious questions I always ponder, you know, at uh, what form of our life are we going to appear in? If if uh, we were, you know, younger uh, or if we're older, I mean, uh, Moses uh, and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, and I can't imagine that they were appeared sometimes people say at age 30 um, I think Moses and Elijah would have been their stately like figures so we don't really know uh, but young and old I think that's just simply saying that everyone is going to stand before the throne of, ju- of judgment that's a good question excellent all right Kate we have another question it's yes. via text we do okay uh, what is the biblical stand on bringing your children into church when they don't want to go Oh, wow. Very, uh, very practical question. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it, there is a fine line between forcing somebody uh, and they, they build up walls of resistance. Uh, we actually had this uh, uh, where we kind of, with our grandchildren, were with us this weekend. And sometimes we do. It's kind of silly, but uh, we get everywhere on the table and we do the thumbs up. And the last one with the thumbs up is the one that has to pray for the meal. Uh, and of course, normally one of the grandchildren is uh, is the one that's uh, uh, slow on the draw, so to speak. <laughs> and then there's kind of that groan that appears. And, and my wife, she, in good godly wisdom, said it's probably not good to force a child to pray when their heart's not with it. Uh, but yet, there's also that notion: is you want uh, you know everyone to feel that they should be able to give thanks at any moment uh, for you know what the Lord has blessed us with, including uh, the you know food that's before us. Uh, but, you know, so that's one of those things where uh, I, I chalk up that we need proverbial wisdom in those kind of situations uh, because, you know, we have uh, competing kind of notions where we have, well, we want to train them in righteousness. We want to be able to get them to hear the word of God. Uh, but at the same time, if there's going to be uh, a rebellious spirit that's going to be resistant, you don't want to harden uh, that child or that person against their will uh, and force them then to reject any, you know, kind of future kind of uh, exposure interactions. And this is where I think we have to pray earnestly to the Lord to say, Lord, what is the, the best course of action? Now, I know that's very challenging when you got multiple children and, and uh, you know, there's that one that the baby is resistant and and things. So uh, it needs a lot of prayer and a lot of wisdom uh, to be able to know how to handle that. Uh, but I think uh, certainly, you know, sometimes we do things we don't want to do. Uh, and sometimes there's benefit that we see long term with that. Uh, but on the other hand, we have to be sensitive as well to uh, not, uh, in a sense, be that stumbling block uh, to where uh, somebody's not necessarily, their heart's not ready yet to uh, receive spiritual truth, that it might not be the best course of action to kind of uh, force it to happen. Yeah. Amen. That's a really good yeah. question. I think all of us as Christian parents have dealt with this. And how old they are. And yeah. how old they are, exactly. 
That thumbs up thing, though, I kind of like that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, very your wife cool. didn't like it, Jim. I, I think it's kind of neat. I like it. Thumbs well, up. Well, it is fun, but you know, and when the child says, "Oh," you know, that's like, what kind of heart attitude are they? <laughs> you gonna shall have? be punished. <laughs> you will have to <laughs> pray now. Much by yeah. rote at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's another one in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-two. After Jesus dies on the cross and the temple veil is torn in two. Scripture says the holy people raised from the dead and appeared in the city. Who were they, and are there any parallel passages that add more detail? Oh, man, that's one of those mysterious passages as well. No, we don't really have a lot of information. Um, I mean, in some ways, uh, we think that the graves were open, certainly to think of the power that Jesus and his resurrection would have on uh, not just those that are in, in close proximity, but ultimately, you know, everyone would be raised from the dead. Uh, so I think that's some of the big picture kind of analogy. Uh, but it's also kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh eerie to think about, well, how long were these people dead uh, that came out from the grave? I mean, uh, certainly we know Lazarus was three days in the grave, and that would probably be the contemporaneous kind of of text that we might be able to use. Uh, Certainly he lived longer uh, time frame, and he came back from that. I guess in my mind, I think these are people who have died uh, within a close proximity of when Jesus died, and they just kind of came up from the grave. Uh, So I'm not thinking that we would have skeletal kind of remains kind of walking around, uh, but people who still have uh, flesh on the bones, as it were, uh, be reanimated to to be able to walk around and give, in a sense, uh, firsthand uh, uh, exhibit uh, of uh, God's uh, power and resurrection when Jesus rose from the dead. And showed themselves to many. So I wonder how long they were visible and when they were finally... I don't know, when they ascended into uh, heaven. We just don't know, do we? Yeah, we just don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, in a sense, uh, if they were older saints, uh, who knows? Maybe they, you know, lived a little bit, but if they were younger saints, they could theoretically live for years. And again, it's one of those things that when we get to heaven, we'll probably find out more information. But to uh, to think on the big picture, it just really is a glorious example of the power of Jesus' resurrection. Well. Wow. Mm. The way you described it, it was kind of like Night of the Living Dead. When they were coming out of their tombs, I was thinking about that. That's crazy. Yeah, and you talk about the power, and I think of how yeah. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And they come say, forth, He, he yes. said, Lazarus, because everyone would have come if he didn't, wasn't specific. I mean, oh, yeah. he had that power. Yeah. But we also know that by now the, the sister said, Lazarus, he stinks. Uh, so, right. <laughs> uh, right. You know, what, what it was like for these uh, saints to, uh, who had died to be raised and walking around again, uh, they probably needed a shower yeah, or a bath. Yeah, that's what I was uh, thinking. Sure. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the first thing you do when you have been raised from the dead? Probably take a shower would be a good suggestion. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Tongue in cheek. Let's go to Anonymous from Spring Hill. Hi, Anonymous. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I was at a Bible study, and um, an elder at the Bible study said uh, that um, none of the promises in the Old Testament are for the Gentiles. Now, it sent me on a search, but I really would like to hear what Mr. Copley would have to say about it, because I'm not an expert. I just love the Bible and just read it continually. I would just like to hear what you know about scripture that might mention it, and did, was I in the right places when I was looking up things? 
All right. Yeah, no, thanks for that. I mean, I think there's several different facets of that question that would need to be kind of uh, separated out. Uh, the idea, though, is that none of the promises in the Old Testament are for the Gentiles. Is uh, it's There's some element there because of the fact that the New Testament, I think, calls the church a mystery, something heretofore unrevealed. Uh, we certainly know that God does have a plan for that includes the Gentiles, uh, because even as soon as Genesis chapter 12, all nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham's seed. Uh, and so we know, and even in the book of Genesis itself, uh, we have the genealogy of Esau, which is of the non-elect line. Uh, we have others like Pharaoh getting blessed uh, by Jacob. Uh, at the end of his life. Uh, and so we certainly know that God does have a plan and a heart for the nations, for the Gentiles. Now, the promises that uh, God made are made to the sons of, of, of Abraham through uh, to Israel. Uh, and so the, the, the Gentiles, as it were, are not inherently uh, part of the promises that are given to them. Now, we do know that there are those who have a theological view that believes that the church is a continuation of Israel, so they would say that all of the promises that were given uh, to Israel are now to be fulfilled in the church. Uh, but uh, I am a, what we call a dispensationalist. I do believe that the church is separate than Israel. Uh, and yet, even though we know that right now this is the age of the Gentiles, as it were, uh, God is still going to continue to hold uh, and be faithful to his promises that he made to ethnic national Israel, and we'll see those fulfilled at some point in the future. Uh, but I do think that uh, we do have, uh, the Gentiles are certainly in the heart and mind of God in the Old Testament, but the promises that are given are directed towards the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Thank you, Anonymous, for your question. Let's go to Ivan in uh, Fort Myers. Hi, Ivan. How are you? Hi, good morning. How are you? Doing good. fantastic. Welcome to the conversation. I bet you have a question. Yes, I am wondering about in the Bible several times it says that if between Jesus' death and resurrection there's three days. Like he also mentions the Jonas example and, and there's three days and three nights. And then when I see Jesus died uh, Friday afternoon and resurrected Sunday morning, and that's from Friday to Saturday is one day, and from Saturday to Sunday is two days. So I'm confused. Is it three days really? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question that often comes up, especially around the Easter time. Uh, what's strange to us is that uh, there's that one verse uh, in Matthew, I think it's 22, that mentions that as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so shall the Son of Man be. Uh, and so it looks like it's a 72 hours uh, time frame. Uh, but we have to understand that three days and three nights, uh, even in the Old Testament, is not a literal 72-hour time frame. Uh, any portion of a day, believe it or not, uh, is called a day and a night. Uh, sounds strange to us, but we sometimes do the same thing. If I say uh, to my wife, hey, I'll be back in a minute. Uh, I she's not getting out a stopwatch and checking if I'm going to be actually back in 60 seconds. It might even be an hour uh, if I run to the store for something. Uh, and so a minute is just a short period of time, even though it looks like it's a, a, a very precise kind of moment. And I think that's what's going on here with the three days and three nights. Even those who hold to a strict three days and three nights uh, also have some issues. They say, well, it happened on Wednesday night. Then you would have to have uh, the resurrection happen uh, if 
it's going to be 72 hours uh, on, sat- on Saturday rather than Sunday. Uh, and so there's going to be issues any way you look at it. And I think it's probably best to just kind of follow the fact that this was the Friday before a Sabbath uh, and that Jesus rose the first day of the week. And so that Friday-Sunday configuration for the death and resurrection of our Lord is probably the one that is uh, the best picture of the timeline. Sounds good. Well, Jim, we got to cut you loose. Have a great day. Until next week, many blessings to you. All right. God bless everyone. <laughs> yeah, we go. God bless we, us, talking. everyone. God blesses every one of us. <laughs> Tiny Tim has spoken. Thanks for listening to Curtin and Kate Morning's podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.